Well, it's another week, so it's time to take a look at the fresh face young talent coming in. Kids about a decade younger than us and see how fast and more agile they will always ever be more than us. This is the push-up. everybody welcome to a new episode of the push off podcast your favorite weekly nfl show discusses everything that happened last week while it gets you ready for the next and i'm your host scott hogan joining us as always it's dan setting the sea gap edge right dan we are ready for week two of our deep dive but the nfl always moving had combine this week in fact mm-hmm. day four the fin- final day is wrapping up right now right or has yeah it's wrapping up they had dbs running so we got yeah full full combine already done um which is uh was it canceled last year or was it, it just two it years? was yeah so was there was no yeah no combine last year we had that weird draft of this player might still go high, but didn't play the year before or opted out due to COVID, you know, worries and things like that. So this is new. This is a, uh, well, not new. This is back to the old, I guess you could say, of yeah. what it once was. Um, not all the stars were doing everything in this one, but uh, still some interesting things. Any any takeaways from the combine directly, Dan? So there, I think the wide receivers were faster than I saw on film. Um, but I think that also could be a factor of everybody was faster than they've ever been. Um, you had more defensive linemen running sub fives than has ever happened. Um, you have more wide receivers running sub four or, you know, sub four plus, uh, so I guess sub five than has ever happened before. So you really just have a, a nonstop increase in athleticism, uh, from combine to combine. And some of that is just that as soon as you're done, as soon as you say, I'm going to not be playing college football anymore, you become someone who just trains for this. That's all yeah. you do. No more class. No more. Yeah. No this more teachers. Your job. No more schools. <laughs> schools out forever. That's right. Um, and bigger, faster, stronger. The, you mm-hmm. talk about that, but that's always, I mean, kids get bred for this. How many... Uh, you know parents played that they're now their kids are coming up and playing how many juniors and things like that did we have we had in the draft in the last couple of years and they have watched their their dads play this sport their whole lives and train for it and then they can turn around and be like well this is what dad did and now the machines the equipment the drugs it's all better (laughs) the drugs especially are way way better it's gotten uh, up so so yeah these athletes have gotten even more impressive and uh you know it's it's uh it's a joke and it's not they these uh, that i said at the top of the show these these kids are young but they are so much the athlete that we have never been that it's just impressed <laughs> it's impressive to watch oh yeah i mean these are we've talked about this before whenever you see one of these people <laughs> 
you go, oh, yes, this is what a thousand or two thousand years ago they would have been like, well, that is a demigod. <laughs> that, yeah. of course, is a demigod because you have guys that are six foot seven running sub four eight forties while weighing 341 pounds. And you go, well, that's not supposed to fucking happen. <laughs> not that's, supposed to happen. No, that's not a real person. It's wild. And so as yeah, yeah, that stuff happens and, you know, it doesn't matter your uh you know, if you're this height, this build, this, that, you know, you kind of fit into these position spots. But as we're going to look, you know, we're looking at edges here today, coming all type, types and ranges, and, and you're asked to do so many things on the defensive side of the ball yeah. now, switch up your fronts and stuff that here we are now, uh, you know, to talk about it, you know, th- it's Ed Rushers today, and oh boy, are these monsters of of their own right this is kind of interesting we're not talking about even one player right now we're going to talk about five guys Uh, we're going to talk about jermaine johnson uh david ojabo george karlaftis we're going to talk of course course about Kayvon thibodeau and aiden hutchinson not a single one of these guys is sub six foot four yeah and not a single one of these guys is under 250 pounds these are inhuman monsters you know (laughs) huge there's a lot of times, you know, we had Josh Sweat a couple years ago. It was like 6'2", 6'3", maybe weighed 240, and he was a good edge. These are monstrous edge rushers with tremendous speed. You know, mm-hmm. we've got guys like Jermaine Johnson running under 4'6". We've got Ojabo running, running under 4'6". Like, that's insane for a man that size, you yeah. know? Aiden Hutchinson's combine is the only one that actually made fucking sense. Everybody else, you're like, oh, my God, where this freak, freak athleticism is insane. So we're already talking about him, so I just want to jump in. And before we hit, uh, I guess because you did wide receivers last week uh, with your your best going down, I think you got to do it every week now. I think you got to start so. with your favorite, and we'll see who that is because there's a I think there's a question here in this one, or there has been on the college sure level at least until recently. It seems like it's it's edging out, but we'll see. Um, before we do though, this class is also a very deep class given wide receivers mm-hmm. too. There's, there's a lot of talent here and, um, there will be some pass rushers available in free agency too. I'm sure people don't want to pay and they'll, they'll let them go. Uh, so we'll see who goes where, but as far as the draft spots, it's not going to change. Free agency is not going to change where these guys go. They're going to go early. They're going to go often. Uh, from yeah. what I've seen from the mock drafts, you got a lot of offensive tackles going near the top. But if if it's not a couple of names of offensive tackles going number one to the Jaguars or two to the Lions, it's probably one of these guys. Um, Jaguars are picking one. Lions two. Texans three. Jets four. Giants are picking five. Panthers six. And then Giants pick again at seven. So that's just top seven. Any of those can pick a handful of these guys. So yeah, yeah. there could be three gone. Honestly, inside the top seven picks, there could be three edge rushers gone. That's how good this class is at the top. All right. So without any further ado, I, I need to know who who are we starting off the talk of? So with? there there are two guys that have been going back and forth at the top spot. Um, mm. One of them is Kayvon. Oh, sorry. You know what? Yes. I, since there is two guys, let's talk about both guys and then let's compare them and then you tell me what you like better. Okay. I like way? that. Yeah, nice. I like that. You So right. you pick. I don't want to give it away uh, which one I have ranked higher. But the two that we are going to talk about first is Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care which one you start with. I think we should, we should hit each one one by one like okay. we do and then we'll come back and say who we like more. Okay. Do you think, do you think that's possible or will, will it shine uh, through? <laughs> I think it's going to shine through. Okay. Um, well, then it'll shine through. 
I think it's going to shine through. Let's let's go ahead and start with probably the best athlete at the defensive end position in several years, probably since Miles Garrett in Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah. So Kayvon Thibodeau played at Oregon. Um, the games I watched for him, uh, Washington State, Washington, and UCLA. Now, the reason why I chose Washington is because he and Hutchinson both faced that team last year. Okay. So I That's wanted to see matchup. apples to apples, you know, main comparison. Um, I will tell you this. For a guy with this level of athleticism, I was so enamored with his motor. You yeah. know, when we, we talk about Jadavian Clowney, who was the last freak athlete to come out, Jadavian Clowney's motor was always and is still pretty shitty and inconsistent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was his knock. Yeah, well, he he had that knock coming out. We talked about it when he came out. It's not there. It's not where you need it to be. I will tell you this: Kayvon Thibodeau, not worried at all about that dude's work ethic. The dude, four quarters, all run plays, all pass plays, just absolutely available to the defense every single play. Which for a premier defensive end, for a premier edge rusher, that is all you can ask for. You know, that's just such a gift to have that in a player. Um, I want to talk a little bit about his pass rush moves. They are diverse. So he has he has speed rush capabilities. He has bull rush capabilities. He has he has the ability to come inside. Um, he's very quick. He can Oregon forced him to go into coverage a few times, and you can see the athleticism show up there. I will say his pass rush moves, though diverse. They are not honed, um, yeah. and you can see them coming. So that's the one negative is he's got the pass rush moves, but none of them have been dialed in to the point where they can be really useful yet at the pro level, if that makes sense. Well, and what I noticed too is maybe he's more set to the pass rush moves and, and, and making himself he, – he likes to throw a shoulder in at the tackle and kind of push in that way, and that – almost works against him when the run comes his way because then he's not wide and filling holes. He's more worried about pass rush. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a rawness to his uh, ability to play both in the moment, I guess. So I 100% agree with you. His pad level is way too high for a guy that's yeah. six foot four. Yeah. plays way too high and immediately lets guys into his body. Um, so too often I would see those moves come after he allows the offensive lineman to get into his body and he'd still be able to get out of it because he's such a freak athlete, but they'd be in his body kind of controlling it, but he's just so quick. He's so fast that he would be able to get away from it. Um, and that's just not something that's going to be sustainable at the next level. It just isn't. Um, so with that being said, you have this incredible athlete who has a high motor, high work ethic, who is pretty raw in technique. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, this is the thing that worries me watching film. I don't know how much film he watches. Because okay. I can okay. I can tell that the motor is there, but maybe he's a guy that likes playing ball because there's a lot of bad reads you see when he gets put in positions where he has to read run or option plays. He almost always chooses wrong. The set in the edge is something that would almost be a hindrance. Like, you'd be worried. You'd be worried that he's not setting edges on run plays and stuff. Yeah. But to that credit, for some reason, they ran away from him so often. I think it's the length. It's the athleticism they show. His pursuit, if the running back does get past him, he's usually down the field, you know, yeah. with it. So that's great. Well, um, one, one thing I do want to say, though, is he, he plays for Oregon. 
number five, that big five on the chest that Oregon mm-hmm. likes to do. looks like an S. It looks like it's <laughs> Superman. Superman on the chest. That's what it looks it, like. It's interesting because if he knows where the ball is, he's really good. Play yeah. fakes, he would just bite constantly. And I, I was watching this going, what? Dude, are you not... Are you not setting it correctly? Like, he would go after the wrong guy. It would always be an easy read if you were running an option attack against Kayvon. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that worries me. Um, there was actually a moment I was watching film, um, and I, I watch usually aggregated film instead of watching, like, a straight full defense. I'll just watch all the snaps from that player yeah. um, on defense because that helps. Kirk Herbstreet actually called him out for lack of awareness during the UCLA game. Uh-oh. And it, but it was so glaringly obvious. You're like, this is your premier player, is a guy that looks confused for three or four consecutive plays. Um, that's not ideal. That's that's not where you want to be. So the main thing to bear in mind with a guy like this is that you've got to set him up in a position where he is attacking tight ends. If he's attacking tight ends, um, he's going to have so much success just being able to to get that tight end blown up, pushed back in the backfield. Um, stop. Stop. That, like, crashed. The whole thing crashed on me. Skype, like, disappeared. But I got you back, and it was right after the Curb Herbstreet. You said Curb Herbstreet called him out? Yes. If we pick up right after that, okay. I was like, oh, wow. Then that's exactly where we were. Okay. I was still going because I, I know when we've <laughs> dropped it before, it's just like, we'll keep going until I get back. True. I just didn't know. Yeah. Oh no, I that's fine. Like but that's screen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But Go that's ahead. that's a good time to that's a good time to do it. I'm gonna take a quick pause. If you have announcers calling out your premier pass rusher for poor awareness uh, for a national audience, the national audience is picking that up too. Generally, you know, yeah. uh, most college announcers don't want to throw a young guy under the bus, but it was real bad. It was, you know, he's just not making the right reads. When he knew where the ball was, though, he's on it so fast. Um, if you put a tight end on him, it's actually disrespectful, and he <laughs> takes it as such and destroys the tight end because of it. Yeah, this guy was the top, I mean, starting September, October last year. He was yep. the number one. He was the number one guy. He was going to Detroit because Detroit couldn't win games. Like, that was obvious. Well, Detroit won a couple games. Uh, uh, Aiden Hutchinson and other, you know, pass rushers and uh, – Players kind of jumped out. He's very raw. The NFL comparison that you said, Jadavian Clowney, is kind of true, except he just has kind of less fluidity than Clowney had, I think, yeah. coming out. But he's got tons of upside. Uh, somebody else said maybe uh, Josh Allen with like a much bigger frame. Yeah, which would be nice. Something like that. So th- this guy's going to have a lot of talent. He just he he almost needs to be picked up and, and matured by somebody. A good defensive uh minded coach or uh d-line coach kind of guy i think I, I think somebody needs to sit down a veteran defensive end needs to sit down with him and watch game film and teach him how to watch game film and then he needs somebody to help him work on his hands because all those body bumps all that straight engagement that doesn't result in the pressure that he wants at the next level he's got the strength he's got the speed he can convert that but he's got to get better hands yeah. Um, he also has almost no deflections because he's always working to the quarterback. Doesn't realize when he's been stoned, your best chance is just get your hand up. Yeah, um, lock it down. So, but once again, that's that's both a knock and it's a comment on the dude's motor, which is just no quit. So to me, 
I think he's a he's a developmental prospect. The the ceiling is so tremendous. It's mm-hmm. such a tremendous ceiling. I have him rated well, I'll tell you I'll tell you where after we talk about Aiden Hutchinson. Okay. Yeah, um, let's go into Aiden Hutchinson. I, but I'll give it away. Kayvon is yeah. definitely a first round pick. No don't worry about that. We're not doing crazy shit. Okay. All right. Kayvon's first rounder, obviously. Aiden Hutchinson now. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. First of all, Kayvon's stats was six five, two fifty eight. Hutchinson six six two sixty five, so he's just a little bit bigger. Came in at uh, six seven at the combine. No kidding. Okay, yeah. he found an inch. He's got some lifts. <laughs> um, he borrowed he, it from Kyler Murray. Yeah, uh, the guy could have been in the 2021 draft, but stayed in Michigan due to an injury, and that improved his position in the draft, or so it seems. So right now, it's going to improve his position. So. Aiden Hutchinson was kind of interesting in Aiden Hutchinson is a great example of the difference between balance and athleticism. Mm-hmm. This is one of the best balanced defensive ends I've ever seen coming out. Okay. Now his hips are still a little rickety, uh, not rickety. I'd say that his hips aren't as fluid as you'd like. He's not mm-hmm. nearly as athletic as a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, but you just never saw the guy fall down uncontrolled um it was he was always aware of where he was his ability to understand how the offensive linemen are blocking him where the you know pass blocking structure is laid out was tremendous it seems like as soon as he engaged with the offensive linemen he knew whether or not he was going to get to the quarterback whether or not there was a chance he could get to the quarterback and more than likely was going to get to the quarterback (laughs) so his The big difference between him and Kayvon is their hands, is the hand placement and their ability to just keep their eyes in the backfield. Um, the dude is just judo. It's it's tremendous hand fighting. He sets up almost all of his moves the same way. We talked about this a little bit with wide receivers setting up a route combo or a, a break. You have to set them up the same way so they don't know what's coming. Um, the best description I can give you of his pass rush ability is slippery. Okay. It, it wasn't... He's got bull rush capabilities. He's got speed rush capabilities, but he's more slippery. His best chance to get pressure is actually, he does two things. He wins low and he wins inside. He doesn't have the elite speed to get to the edge and turn the edge and come in. When he gets to the edge, you almost have to hope the quarterback doesn't feel the pressure because his motor's so good, he's going to keep working back and get that sack. But he does not have that elite bend. When we talk about a guy like Von Miller, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting to that edge, getting low, getting around. He doesn't have that, but he's also a six foot seven D end, and that's not what you're going to ask for, right? But you're just like uh, Thibodeau, kind of high pads. Um, but yeah, you're right. His bend's not so much there. But you're being we're being nitpicky on a very well toned edge guy that can probably fill a spot as a starter immediately. Um, and yeah, everybody talks about how relentless his motor is. If the yeah. run is not his side, I certainly I felt like I saw Hutchinson chasing after it a little bit more than than Thibodeau even. Uh, oh, a little it, bit. It, that's interesting. I I felt differently. Um, okay. Watching him and Thibodeau, I felt like Thibodeau was just going, going, going. Whereas Hutchinson, if the play was absolutely to his other side, he's pursuing, but he's not wasting energy. 
I got to like I should have written down like the games I saw in Thibodeau, but there were a few where if the run wasn't going to his side, it felt like he was just kind of along with the ride with the tackle. I mean, he would throw his shoulder in the tackle, yeah. he'd get that connection, but Hutchinson was getting free a little bit quicker, maybe a little yeah. more off those blocks. But Hutchinson knew always where the ball was going too, which is a thing mm-hmm. Thibodeau did not. <laughs> Thibodeau was often confused about where it was going. Hutchinson was so dialed in to what was happening in the backfield that. Even if he wasn't involved in the play, he was setting an edge, um, which Thibodeau struggled with sometimes. The other side, and we're going to talk about him, David Ojabo. Yep, Ojabo. Um, with him on the line with Hutchinson, it's hard to mistake that Ojabo's off his block quicker. He's a little yes. bit more explosive off the line than Hutchinson. And you're like, well, that's a knock on Hutchinson, right? He's not as fast. Uh, maybe, but... Also, then I worry if David Ojabo is going to be this high of a talent in the draft, too, then what does that pull away from Hutchinson? I mean, they were both on the same line. At some point, somebody's got to grab the attention away from the other one, and the other guy's got to take benefit, I think, for that uh, on that defensive line when that stuff happens. We had the Miami uh, Hurricane Edges uh, in a draft last year with mm-hmm. Phillips and Rousseau both coming in the first round, edges, yep. from the same team. But they didn't really play at the same time, right? No, they, wasn't one yeah, got hurt. They, well, they both had the same number, yeah. uh, They both, <laughs> which was super confusing. They both were 15 at Miami, yeah. um, and one took a year off for COVID and then entered, and the other one played all year. So, so yeah. I don't want to get ahead and talk about Ojabo yet, but does Hutchinson, he has to benefit from having that talent on the line with him. He does, but he was winning. The difference is, yes, he does, <laughs> but he was winning his matchups one-on-one more often than not. Okay. And so that's that's really all you can ask for a defensive end is, are you winning your matchups? Um, if you're winning your matchups, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. He might just get there first if he wins faster. Yeah. And when, when the wins would come, Ojabo is a faster player. He's just faster. It's just the way it is. Um, he's smaller, he's lighter, he's got a better first step. He does. Um, he's Scottish, by the way, uh, David Ojabo. Yes, yes, um, actually, yeah. Well, but Aiden Hutchinson. born in Nigeria Yeah. by birth, yeah. And uh, Aiden Hutchinson is a second generation. His father, Chris, uh, was a defensive end for Michigan, played a little bit in the NFL. But Hutchinson is just one of those guys that right now can play on any team in the NFL. He might not be your number one pass rusher, but he can play right now coming out, has the run sense, has the pass rush capabilities, has the moves, has all of that stuff. The guy is pro-ready. Pro-ready. So, the NFL comparison that you're hearing is Joey Bosa. I mean, they're both wearing 97. It kind of somewhat there. No, you disagree. No, thoroughly disagree. Um, Joey Bosa is... Magnitudes a better athlete than Aiden okay. Hutchinson. That's a big. That's a big guy. Yeah, because they're talking Hutchinson could go first overall. Joey Bosa was he was up there. He was what second. He, he could have mm-hmm. gone, but then uh, the other one was uh, Kyle Vandenbosch. I feel like he's more athletic than Vandenbosch was in his prime, which is saying something. Kyle Vandenbosch yeah. was a very good defensive end. Uh, he's better than that. But we, when we're talking about Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa was just a different fucking species. Hmm. Um, Joey Bosa was elite, and 
if you've picked up so far the difference between how I feel about Kayvon Thibodeau and the way I feel about Aiden Hutchinson. We're heading, yeah. This is, and this is the choice. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that, the choice between these two. And, and do you see a team taking one? Could it be a coin flip of one team taking one over the other? I, I can't see a world where Aiden Hutchinson is on the board and you pass him for Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. I just can't. I, I think he is so pro-ready, he's ready to go. However, I However, do yeah. not. I do not offer Aiden Hutchinson, and this surprised me. I do not mm-hmm. offer Aiden Hutchinson the mark of elite, and that that makes it tough because you're right. You're, we talked about Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa was an elite grade, mm-hmm. uh, and if Aiden Hutchinson isn't, then oh boy, wh- what hope does this draft have? <laughs> we'll, <laughs> well have to stay thing. tuned and see. But yeah, I, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is not elite. Kayvon Thibodeau is not elite. They are both first round picks. I would say I'm I would definitely give Aiden Hutchinson a top ten grade. Yeah. Um my guess is very fall out of top five. No, right I now. can't imagine he would, but he's he's a very, very talented player. I just can't give him elite. There's some athletic limitations, there's some you know, there's some speed limitations that he's dealing with that he doesn't make up for in brute strength. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's he's a complete package. Thibodeau might wind up being eventually the better pass higher rusher. ceiling, just, right? Yeah, much higher ceiling, but Aiden Hutchinson's floor is... Aiden Hutchinson's floor is 10-year pro. Both should be starters, but Hutchinson probably will be one day one, whereas Thibodeau might need to be like mixed in and taught yeah. up a little bit before beating the NFL ed, uh, tackles. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then you have... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I brought down that Hutchinson's kind of known as the harder worker, but is that true? Because there's no. not a knock on Thibodeau's motor either. No, there's no there's no knock on Thibodeau. It's another one of those things. Thibodeau very much could have and maybe would have benefited from not playing this year with uh, how good he was last year. Yeah. But he was a gamer. He was a worker. And so while it doesn't improve his stock, it does answer a huge question you have with athletic defensive ends, which is are you a guy that is going to – put in the work and I think he clearly is um, whether he's whether he's getting the coaching that he needs to improve himself you know because I've talked about this a little bit before I I've coached before not you know football but I've coached art and mm. there's always an interesting thing when you run into somebody who is so good already that you go well how much can I teach him and yeah, so I right. wonder if the Oregon defensive coaches were like, well, he's just so talented already. What do we even do with a guy like this but just let him play? And I think that's a disservice to his development. So I would I would give a little knock to the Oregon defensive line coaches for not upping his game this year because clearly the effort's there, the motor's there. It means that the coaching and correction wasn't done. They left him yeah, where he was. Is there also something, too, because I feel like every year the NFL – or the uh, scouts uh, – mock drafts, all this stuff, uh, does this where the top guy in that position naming, name them like the, the number one at odds to get the number one pick that changes. And usually somebody, even in the same position, leapfrogs them by the end of the college last season, because probably recency bias, like they're both playing pretty good, but we've seen this guy be good. This guy is, is being good out of, you know, we weren't ready for it. So now we like him more. Well, there was uh, there was Tank for Tua, yeah. You know, and Joe Burrow was the better one, yeah. It's and been there like- was there was the Darnold year where everybody thought Sam Darnold was going to be the number one guy, and it wound up being Baker Mayfield. 
Dexter uh, Lawrence, wasn't he going to be like a number one pick in September? And then we went to a different defender. Oh, no, Dexter Lawrence? Uh, not Dexter Lawrence. Who am I thinking of? Um, a Lawrence for... Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Well, no, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. No, there was but, a defensive lineman. I forget now. But Trevor Lawrence was a guy that was the number one overall pick for two years, basically. Well, sure. actually, almost sometimes three years. It, sometimes it doesn't, yeah, but and yeah. You, you do have that. I mean, uh, Andrew Luck was the same way. There's just some guys whose draft grades are so fucking crazy that, you know, that's just where they go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we Kayvon Thibodeau, I don't think, hurt himself. Um, but I, I think he might have been drafted higher last year because people would go, oh, well, this is a sophomore, and look at all these abilities. And then you saw him as a senior where he – or as a junior where his production actually kind of fell off a little bit. Oh, well, that's not good. Okay. So we already I already brought up Ojabo, so I'm assuming he's the next guy on your list. Ojabo actually is. He is my He's my third ranked of the guys we're talking about. Um, Ojabo is a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Um, and- Talked yeah. about that. He was Nigerian by birth and then started playing football his junior year of high school. So he's pretty raw himself. He is incredibly raw. He doesn't have a bunch of games either. He only played 20 games in college, <laughs> which is not great. Um, and you could tell against the run, you could tell he doesn't have the experience because he's in that same area with Thibodeau where he's not reading it correctly. Um, and when they knew it was a run base, they didn't play him. So, you know, that's an, yeah, that's enough of a knock that your coaches are like, Hey, we think this is going to be a run heavy package. Let's get a out of there because I don't know if he's going to make the right read. Okay. Well, so, but, um, we talked about this guy. He, uh, you watch these tapes. Did you just watch what you watched with Aiden Hutchinson and, and did two one one watch the same guy? I rewatched him. I rewatched him. So, I can't if I'm locked in on a player, I can't oh, watch so another player too. simultaneously. Yeah. So I, I did rewatch them. Um and Ojaba was showing up in both of them. Obviously Hutchinson went insane during the uh the Ohio State game, which is incredibly clutch. Uh but Ojaba was right there setting major havoc major havoc on the end, allowing him to do it. Um yeah. so the nice thing is if you're looking at Ojabo, you're going potential. That's what you're thinking. You're thinking pure potential, but he right now could probably play a 4-3 or a 3-4, whereas I think Thibodeau as edges, uh, Thibodeau and Hutchinson as edges should stay in a 4-3. They should stay in a four-down defensive line position. Ojabo has that versatility to do either. Both of the, yeah, you say that, both of the colleges did have uh, Thibodeau and Hutchinson kind of doing the, like, uh not in the three-point stance, the yeah. two stance, uh, rush off the edge and stuff. You're right. I think they got a better jump off of the three stance, but mm. they weren't. Yeah, they didn't shy away from doing. They didn't shy away from any of the guys getting dropped into coverage either. No. I felt like maybe Ojabo, due to his speed, due to his twitchiness, is a little bit better and drop it into zone than these other guys. Well, I thought it was interesting because it, it clearly Thibodeau has more time in than Ojabo does, but Ojabo was a much more fluid pass rusher because he was more decisive. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, or not a better pass rusher, a better uh, pass coverage man, because it seemed like he just was figuring it out on the fly, whereas Thibodeau would get confused. Ojabo would be able to trail it. He was a little slower, but he would choose correctly. And yeah. so that's that's one of those things that gives me a lot of promise for David Ojabo, um, because he's a guy that if you get him in the right hands, if you bring him along slowly and correctly and get him the coaching that he needs... I, I think his ceiling is maybe not 
up there with Thibodeau, but I think it might be easier to get him to his ceiling than it will be for Thibodeau. NFL comparison I found online was Brian Burns. What do you think of that one? Uh, I feel like Brian Burns is faster, um, and Brian Burns is not as strong, and obviously Brian Burns had better pass rush moves coming out. So Brian Burns was a much more complete package uh, coming out than David Ojabo, but I, I see where that is. Another one I see is Cliff Averill, and I just don't think he's stout enough against the okay. run to be a Cliff Averill comparison. But I bring up like the idea of because Aiden Hutchinson is also going to be going so early in the draft and he played on the same line as him that maybe that makes David Ojabo look better than he is. But David Ojabo, if he, you know, once he gets drafted and lines up on a defensive line, he is going to have a starred some other, you know, pretty well-played pro on the other side of the line with him that'll draw some attention. So it should still be the same situation, right? It isn't a knock that this guy played on a such a good line. Ojabo is going to obviously have a... It's going to be a pro-level player on the other side. Um, it, it just depends if he's going to be seen as the future. Um, he has all the natural abilities. I don't think Aiden Hutchinson takes anything away from him. Um, in terms of his abilities, I think it's probably a better demonstration of what he's going to offer you at the pro level um, because that talent shines through and then you've just got to get it cleaned up in terms of, uh, you know, a few technique things, a few uh, read and instinct things. But, you know, obviously the work has been put in. I feel like, though, more and more we're seeing heavy school, like upfront heavy schools where this this school is known for this position and you're going to have a lot of them in the draft. Uh, wide receivers sure. from Alabama. You got some edge rushers from Michigan. You got some, you know, tackles from uh, Alabama. Yeah, Alabama's got a lot. Of, a lot of school. <laughs> you know, the Ohio State. <laughs> the only thing they don't produce is quarterbacks. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Quarterbacks can come from anywhere. Um, okay, so well, corners. Corners come from Ohio State. That's a good one. Um, but I, I think rather than this being like a school specific thing. Do you remember a couple years ago when NC State had uh, Bradley Chubb, it had, you know, three or four players on the defensive line that went and were drafted in the NFL? Right. Sometimes steel sharpens steel. Right. You know, we we talk about that as like, you know, oh, well, you know, this guy compensated for it and that's why he was able to thrive. But sometimes steel sharpens steel. That was B.J. Hill. You know, that was B.J. Hill in that same class with Bradley Chubb. And they, they all turned into decent pros. You know, obviously Chubb is what he is. But, you know, everybody else was a decent player and they were all pro-level talent. Nice. Okay, so who after Ojabo do you want to talk about? So we have uh, our man from uh, Florida State, Jermaine Johnson the second. Okay, Jermaine Johnson, 6'5", 262. Um, what was neat about him is he was a JUCO uh, transfer, and he played with Independence uh, University, which is a school from season three and four, I believe, of Last Chance U on Netflix. <laughs> um, went back and tried to watch and see if he had any like parts in the show. It didn't seem like he drew the attention of it, but... He was he's a guy who's made Juku work for Juco work for him. He went to Georgia after that and was a transfer from Georgia to uh, Florida State. Yeah. He's you know, he's a redshirt senior. Um he's 23 years old. I, the So let's talk about the positives. Yeah. The positives are he's a big body player. He looks like a defensive end, he plays like a defensive end. He's got great speed. Um you know, this is a guy like a lot of these guys are freak athletes and we're kind of comparing them together uh, you know he ran a sub four six at 
65260. That's still insane. Yeah. You know, we're we're talking about some guys putting together crazy numbers this year at the combine, but Jermaine Johnson's one of them, but this it does show up on film. Um this is a guy that gets pressure on the quarterback. This is a guy that has some decent pass rush moves, but he is very much unpolished still. Um not great in the run game. Um you know, it's not it's not his strength. He wants to get wide. He wants to put pressure on the quarterback, and that's where he's going to be the most successful. So I think Jermaine Johnson is a guy that right now you can bring him. He's got enough pass rush ability. You can use him in situational pass rush right now. I think that alone is probably going to get him into the tail end of the first round. Okay. I mean, that's impressive. And uh, coming from a guy from Georgia who was a uh, top school this year, and well, and the year prior too, but uh, transferred out of there and then still going to be a top uh, – one of the top uh, edge rushers coming out of Florida State from a whole new school. Yeah, I mean, anytime you become an instant millionaire, <laughs> you know, it's life didn't go too bad for you yeah. uh, at the age of 23. I mean, he made the choices he needed to make. Um, the Georgia D-line, as we can tell from this year's draft, it was fucking stacked. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he found himself a, a good spot with Florida State. His, I mean, he's a guy that is clearly a freak, should probably add muscle. And at six foot five, should probably be playing closer to two seventy five, you know, in the high two seventies. Um, and it, he's got to put it together in his legs. If if that doesn't steal some of his speed, which is very very good, but he can still thicken out that body. Yeah, he did nothing but but benefit himself from the uh, combine, so that's great. Um, oh yeah. Okay, so from Jermaine Johnson in Florida State, who's the next guy on your list? Our next guy is George Karlaftis. Okay, Karlaftis. Now, this is also uh, not Native American. He's from Greece, moved to the U.S. Uh, when he was a <laughs> and kid. Yeah. Also not Native American. Oh, yeah. That's it. Not a native <laughs> of America. Let's all phrase it that way. He wasn't born in America. He was born out of America. You know what I didn't check? Is he actually is he a U.S. citizen? Oh, well, he, he came in in 2014 as children... Because back then that would have made him like fourteen years old or something. I don't yeah. know how he gets. It's not auto- it's not automatic. He might not be a citizen. Yeah. Huh. I gotta look that up real quick. Six four two seventy five. Uh, honestly, in mocks and stuff, I've seen this guy all over the board. Well, so he is an interesting cat in that as a freshman, George Karlaftis exploded. You know, he had seven and a half sacks as a freshman at Purdue. All of a sudden, people were like, oh, my God, this guy is you know, the real deal. This guy is going to be the next big thing at the defensive end position it, You know, if he just gets better and better. Mm-hmm. Gets injured in his sophomore year, and then in his junior year, basically is the only good defensive player on Purdue and gets double and triple covered every single game. Yeah. That being said, um, you know, you can... <laughs> J.J. Watt in his senior year at Wisconsin got double and triple teamed all the time. Didn't matter. That's an elite player. That's the difference. You know, you can watch a guy get double teamed and go, all right, but how many of those double teams is he exploding? Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this. George Karlaftis has the body for it, has the size, um, has has a pretty good read on the game. He's not, you know, he doesn't get fooled too often, but there are times when he will get kind of, like the the motor is there, the effort is there, but he will get pushed into bad positions, especially later in games as he gets fatigued and worn down. Um, 
and it's it's a little it's a little damning to see sometimes. Like you'll have run fits that go right at the fucking guy, and by the third quarter he just can't do it anymore. Yeah, he's um, he's a you know, huge guy. They, yeah, yeah, oh. and he's got speed. He's got speed for his size, which is really impressive too. But there's just there's some things watching his game uh, that that make me worry. He's not the fastest in terms of agility and lateral quickness, so he's in that same Aiden Hutchinson species in terms of like yeah he's not the quickest guy in the world but Hutchinson reads plays so much better Hutchinson's pursuit at the top end of the pocket is so much better um Hutchinson's hands are so much better Karlaftis does not have a bunch of developed uh he doesn't have a, a bunch of developed pass rush moves it's mostly bull rush um yeah it's mostly bull rush and he'll try to set speed to the outside but he doesn't have that once again that sort of epic bend, bend. you know he's not Von Miller right. bending the edge right. um He'll go to the edge, but then a longer tackle, you know, really big tackles can can kind of push him up and over, and then he's he's stoned. He's not working back to the quarterback. You're saying you put him after Jermaine Johnson. You might like Jermaine Johnson a little bit better in the position. Uh, does that make Karlaftis also a second rounder? Whereabouts are you seeing him? I, I feel like Karlaftis is a high second round pick. Okay. Um, he's not, you know, I think the analogy I would make is um, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh-huh. was a guy that came out of Boise State. And people were like, well, he's got some pass rush abilities. Wow, he did really well in Boise State, but Boise State kind of sucks. You know, can can we extrapolate that to the next level? Right. And he was just too good to pass up in the high second round, and the Cowboys wound up taking him. So pass rushers, pass rushers, left tackles, quarterbacks, if you see the potential for a star in the second round, that's where you got to take a guy. Yeah. Um, if there's injury concerns, which there isn't with Carl Aftis, Karlaftis has the competition concerns. That's the that's the big thing for him. Yeah, but you need, yeah you need somebody to get up to the quarterback. He's somebody that uh, at least body wise looks like he fits the bill. So I, I bet somebody uh, takes a flyer on this guy to build up around him. Sure. Oh yeah, and you can and you can see he's he's a guy that can play in the NFL. Whether he's ever going to be a star, um, you yeah. know, I have no idea. It doesn't. He doesn't feel like a star to me. He feels like a a durable, consistent sort of player that's, you know, going to be a a good four three defensive end. I don't think you're gonna move this guy to outside linebacker. So yeah. as an edge, yeah, good, but not not good enough. Um and we're not only doing just the five here for edge rushers here. You have a sixth one we want to talk about here tonight. I do. We have uh Mr. Drake Jackson Drake. out of uh USC. USC six four two fifty. Uh he had a late season injury himself that he Got to come back on. Kinda, yeah, got himself coming in a walking boot. He's he's actually only 6'3". Oh, okay. He's only 6'3". So he's 6'3", 250. He's actually pretty pretty thin. He's got incredibly long arms. They're 34-inch arms. Um, and you see it on film, too. You know, this is a guy that um, can get around the edge, can you know kind of stone an offensive lineman and use that for leverage. But he allows himself, again, to get bodied up way too much. Um, probably needs to add weight, should be playing somewhere in the 260s, you know, high 260s, 270 range. Um, and at that size, especially that guy, he should be able to get around the edge a little bit faster. He is a guy that has a really good bend, mm-hmm. but doesn't have developed pass rush skills, doesn't have a great bull rush, doesn't have that natural strength. But this is another guy that you could probably take somewhere in the tail end of the second round and get a good prospect, get a good situational pass rusher from him. And if you can put together a few more techniques and tricks, this is a guy who who could be an elite pass rusher. Yeah. Um, 
just with the with the potential with the potential he was supposed to be so much better than he was he's got some explosion coming off that line and you're right the speed and the bend but if if it's not enough and the lineman is there then he's kind of stuck because there's not a lot of inside power there's not a lot you're right there's not a lot of counters or or moves with his hand to get off the blocks um so yeah he's gonna get quicker when those plays start going his way uh an nfl comparison i saw for him was randy gregory um, Randy Gregory was quicker. Okay. Uh, Randy Gregory had more natural pass rush skills out of college, but Randy Gregory is also like 30 pounds lighter. Okay. <laughs> so that's, you know, Randy Gregory was a thin person. I, I saw Eli Harold, um, but he's longer limbed and not as fast. Do you still have Drake Johnson, Jack Johnson, Drake Jackson going within the first two days? Uh, yeah, I think, oh, he's definitely within the first two days. I cannot see Drake Jackson I falling out of right. the third round yeah. because of such potential. I could see him going as high as late second. Okay. But that's still, the, man, that's quite a few up at the top. Um, oh, yeah. NFL.com had Baldinger and Hawkins do their uh, top 10 uh, draft board, and five of them were edge rushers five of the top 10 were edge rushers on their draft board now obviously everybody's a little different and it'll as you hear the rumors and stuff i think it'll settle a little bit more over the next month or so but uh the only they didn't have drake jackson in there and the one that they had to sub in of the five of the 10 wait a minute well am i counting that right yeah because we had six one two mm-hmm. three four the fifth one they had was uh trevon walker georgia yeah, once again, that Georgia defensive line is just filthy. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just disgusting this year. So, yeah, that's another one to, to look out for. But, yeah, uh, you, you listed six, and most of these are going to be going very quickly. A lot of them could be – I mean, there's a chance, what, three of these could go top ten? Do you think Ojabo could fit top ten if they really uh, – I, I don't I don't think Ojabo is going to be top ten. I think there's there are legitimately probably two corner prospects that are top – top 10 top 15 and depending on what people think of Derek Stingley when we review him um he's a guy that could definitely be a top 10 pick in terms of wide receivers we already talked about that you might wind up having one or two um I think that's a reach but it's possible um this year the nice thing is I you might have a quarterback force his way up there I don't think the scouting dictates that that's good but you're going to have two or three defensive linemen I I would say Four defensive linemen will go in the top ten. Minimum. Four defensive linemen will be in the top ten. Okay. Whether they be edge or tackle, four of them will go. That's, yeah. Cool. Well, we just gave you six, and uh, a good many of them will be uh, starters next year. <laughs> they just will, because these guys are, are that good. And uh, and edge rushers, pass rushers, if they're not like starting right out of the gate, they're they're getting in those uh, the mix of, of the pass rushers uh, throughout the games, throughout the season. It's eight. It, it's eighteen weeks now. It's a long season. You got to have a lot of them. <laughs> you need. You need more guys. You need more people. Uh, we're going to continue this uh, all through the off season up until the draft and keep adding more and more uh, prospects to the list with the five wide receivers we did last week and now six of the edge rushers. There you go. You already got eleven lining up your uh, draft. There you got two get Drakes from USC. So. You, how many you already know you guys we're, we're I, I think I may have to look for more Drake named prospects <laughs> right. now we're, we're making it uh, we're, we're, we're teaching you guys and making you experts by the time the draft comes around that's what the push out podcast is going to do for you so Dan 
in order to uh, to expand their minds more who is our uh positional who's our position for next week yeah where where will it be we are going to be we're going to be talking about interior offensive linemen okay it's going to get very very sexy the big boys um, wait, actually that's not true <laughs> um this is it's it's not an incredible class for uh for interior offensive linemen yeah it's not and it's not as uh yeah as deep as the wide receivers and pass rushers right no, no, not quite. I mean, you have you have decent skill up at the top, but uh, you know we'll we'll get through it and we'll we'll see a couple different guys. There's there's a lot of starters there. I'd say for the first three or four rounds, but not nearly the the skill we have for defensive ends. All right, cool. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to uh, let's hit up the news here at the end of the show. We usually leave it at the top, yeah. but there was there was so much fun stuff to talk about with the pass rushers. I, I left it for the end. Uh, we do know our international games for 2022. Uh, we know at least the home teams. We don't know where who they're going to be playing. The, the road teams will have to travel out there too. But we said Munich, Germany is getting a game this year, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be the host of that game. So Buccaneers out to Munich. Mexico City will have a game, and the Cardinals will be the home team for that one. Uh, it's not Arizona makes sense. Yeah, not a far trip for them. And then finally London, three games. Uh, obviously the Jaguars, they're, they're always a home team there. And Rauer, Rauer. Yeah, and add the Packers and Saints. They're the other teams that will have home games in London this year. Interesting. So yeah, we keep expanding. The NFL is looking to take over the world, and soon enough it shall. I, <laughs> I love that Munich is like uh, we were told there would be Thomas Brady would be arriving, <laughs> and says no Tom Brady. What has happened? Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Just don't tell. Maybe they won't recognize. Um, this <laughs> you got to get somebody to put a twelve on him. They're like, yeah, that's Tom Brady. I remember him. <laughs> yep, yep. He is married to Giselle Bunchen. It's <laughs> uh, a good. That's a good Munich accent. It's everybody. not bad. That's, that's good pretty Munich good. Accent. I would add in, but yeah. I know I'd be nowhere near that, so I'm gonna <laughs> not touch that one. Um, this this news broke recently. Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley will be suspended for the 2022 season due to betting on the games just last year. Uh, he only played five games last year. The, apparently, the the report is that this took place away from the the Falcons when he had his uh, leave, his leave of absence or whatever it was last year, and happened in November. Uh, and the league is not going to let that slide. So full, at least, uh, season uh, suspension for betting on the games. Yeah, but potentially longer. Oh yeah. Um, that's the crazy thing is like he literally did bet while he was not with the Falcons, but at the same time it's like, dude, if that's the case, you know, yeah, yeah, the, the payroll, old expression where there's, yeah. yeah, you're on the payroll, you're collecting a check, and the idea of where there's smoke, there's fire. Oh yeah, you know, if this is something you did when you're like, oh yeah, and I'm away from the NFL, like, were you doing it during the NFL? And it's this is not like the most nefarious of uh you know sports bettings it was like sure. 1500 bucks on a parlay mm. you know but it's you're it's just the one thing that's like you're not allowed to do it you're just really not allowed to do it um the NFL I'm sure is looking at this very very hard because they're now trying to get in bed with gambling yeah and you know trying to make it a big focus and if the the idea of players getting involved in gambling too could really upend the whole thing so People are saying like, "Oh, this is you know, this is such bullshit from the NFL, who's trying to get into you know with Caesars and stuff like that." Yes, that's true. But if they can't tell you that they've got a safe product that is not infiltrated by betting and gambling, mm-hmm. uh, 
are you really going to put your money on those on those players and teams? Yeah, no, they have to draw the line somewhere, and I think we all knew this was on its way when it came down to there being the ability to to bet on games. It was like, well, then what's what's stopping them? And I didn't realize until this story broke that really what's stopping them is the NFL is kind of in bed with these betting companies already, whereas if they want to, they have the ability to have that research and go, any of our players, anybody on the, in the NFL right now that are doing this, and that's what happened is whatever program Ridley was putting his money into, I'm pretty sure they shared this information with the NFL because otherwise, how would you know? FanDuel. Yeah, FanDuel was the group. Yeah, so FanDuel's got to in with the NFL where they're like, yeah, we're we're being allowed by the NFL to, to get this money on the games in in retrospect, we will not let the players who play in those games get rich off that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because if Calvin Ridley uh, didn't have enough time off, uh, he's getting yeah. it. So. Yeah, that it, I don't know what happened with his, his, you know, what was going on in his life, why he stepped away last year, but now it really feels like, you know, maybe, maybe it's not for you. Maybe there is something else you want to be doing. So we'll see. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Calvin Ridley is a very talented wide receiver. Um, but yeah, this, another year without him is really in his, in his prime. That's going to be a big hit. Uh, franchise tags are coming down, Dan. I only have seen three so far, but the franchise tags that we know of is the chiefs are signing Orlando Brown back their left tackle. Mm -hmm. Browns are bringing back their tight end, David Njoku and the Bengals, their safety, Jesse Bates. Any, any information on these? Anything you think? The Jesse Bates was kind of a, a no-brainer, um, and the Orlando Brown thing is also a no-brainer. You've got to be able to, you know, some of these are not, oh, we're just going to have him live on the franchise tag and fuck him. You know, it's, you have to have that franchise tag so you can still have a valid negotiation where you're not getting hit with, you know, wave upon wave of crazy offer. Right. You know, you can you control the offers. You're still going to have to pay the guy market, um, but you're not going to have to pay him something ludicrous. You know, it's it sets the base. It sets the base at sixteen million for Orlando Brown. That is a that is a very very high floor uh, to begin negotiations for your value per year. And uh, David Njoku surprised me a little bit, but Jesse Bates makes total sense. I mean, the guy it was one of the main cogs in that defensive force that got them to the Super Bowl. Well, the, yeah, Bengals switched over like their entire secondary besides Bates in this last season, and thankfully it finally yeah. clicked. Um, you're right, Njoku is a surprise. Don't don't you get a, basically just one franchise tag a year for your team? I mean, you get your transition you tags, you get, you get your all this stuff, but that's why the Chiefs can't franchise tag uh, Tyrion Matthew now. He might be free agent given that Orlando Brown is the one who got the tag. I, I think I'd be much more comfortable negotiating against a 30-something-year-old uh, safety versus a 25-year-old six foot eight, 350-pound starting left tackle. Oh, yeah. No, our, um, there's a reason why it was Orlando Brown was a choice, true. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you're probably saying to Tyron, like, hey, we love you, but the market won't love you nearly as much as it'll love this fucking guy. So sorry about that. Yeah. And then finally, um, we talked about Troy Aikman going to Monday Night Football. Kirk Herbstreet will be go calling games on Thursday Night Football for Amazon. Uh, we like him. We're, I, I'm very excited about this hire. Yeah, I mean, we referenced uh, Kirk Herbstreet this episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for calling out uh, calling out our good friend Kayvon. But um, yeah, I think I think he'll be a good fit. He's not a bad color man. 
Um, the interesting thing is Kirk Herbstreet never did shit in the NFL. Oh, that's true. Yeah, right? He was just a college guy and then, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, Yeah, so that's that's the thing that's a little bit strange is it's like, you know, it's not Dennis Miller level weird uh, where right. it's like Dennis Miller's doing color and he's a fucking comic. But, yeah, Kirk Herbstreet did almost nothing um, in Ohio State. I actually don't even know if he – I don't think he even sniffed the NFL. And that is – you're right. That's different for color guys. It's not for the uh, – the play-by-play. Most play-by-play guys aren't aren't players. Oh yeah, those are journal. Like, play-by-play guys are journalists or newscasters or some shit like that. Right. Okay, but anyways, that's the show. That's what I got. Um, we covered our edge rushers. We got the news out of the way, and we are moving through all of our prospects, getting you ready for the NFL draft coming in late April. Yeah, about under two months away, and I can't wait. Counting down the days. You know I'm excited, Scott. <laughs> you know it's like my favorite thing. We're all super excited. We got free agency on the way, though, uh, right around the corner, too, so we'll be hitting on that as it hits. Um, so before we wrap up the show, thank you guys for listening and come back next week when we can cover the interior offensive linemen for you. Keep adding prospects to your list, getting you more and more familiar with the new young talent that will be flooding the NFL gates here come uh, this season 2022. Uh, so before we wrap it up, though, Dan, I want to leave you with a couple of crazy stats. Ooh. Not many. Here we got. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Who was our last first-round draft pick out of Florida State? Do you know? Last first-rounder. There's been a, a good amount from Florida State, like one a year pretty much, but there wasn't one over the last two seasons. Oh, well, if it's two seasons, then it wouldn't be who I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm kind of helping you here. Was, no, it's not Ramsey. Nope, that was 2015. 2019, this guy was drafted out of Florida State. In fact, he was brought up. Is it Dalvin Cook? No, he was a second rounder. He was brought up as a uh, comparison guy, too. So, hint, and rusher. Brian, Brian Burns, Burns 2019. He's the last one out of Florida State taking the first round. I thought Brian Burns was second round. That's why that's what fucking me he up. He's like mid late first round. And then who was the last first round Purdue draft pick? Ooh. Yeah, this is a good one. Oh, who? Uh, 2011. That's a long time ago. He uh, was drafted as a linebacker, but I think you could call him an edge guy too. Uh, drafted to. The once-named Washington Redskins. Oh, this is... Uh, yeah, tip of oh, his it's tongue. the fucking white boy. Yep. It's the white boy. Ryan Kerrigan. Kerrigan. Yep. Uh, I was like, he's white Irish. White Irish. Who, who I saw a comparison to him and uh, Carl Aftis, too. So I was like, oh, just because he's a Purdue edge rusher. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a white Purdue edge rusher. So, that's so no. there you go. There's only one species of that. But that's what I got. That's for Crazy Stats. That's our show this week. But before we leave, Dan, please, our parting words of wisdom. If you find that you are six foot four or above... I would like you to try running in a straight line of 40 yards or more (laughs) and see how fast you can do it. I would say if you run under six seconds for a 40-yard dash, you are fast. If you run under five and a half for a 40-yard dash, you're very fast. And if you run sub five, oh my God, there are gentlemen that are running sub four, six 40-yard dashes. 
which is the most frightening fucking thing I can think mm-hmm. of, is to see a six foot five human being running a, a sub four six in my direction. I think I'd probably just shit my pants. <laughs> Respect the majesty that is the positional freaks, the defensive edge rushers. That's right. They're coming after your quarterbacks, folks. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Push Off Podcast. We enjoy these so much, so please come back next week and tell your friends. I am Scott. And this is Dan. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.